This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Let's try again. Good morning. We need some energy in here today. <clears throat> Natalie's been keeping me up all week, so if you guys are sleepy... I'm going to be real boring today, so if I'm boring, that's on you today. I'm just letting you know. I I guess, supposedly yesterday there was a football game between a couple teams. Um, Yeah, last week, you know, I kind of talked about it. Hey, I'll say this. Congratulations, Bengals fans. Like, I've been here eight years. I've watched every game. Tennessee's in the playoffs every year, so I'm used to this. Um, But for you guys, congratulations. It stinks that you guys had to beat my team, but I'll be cheering for you, right? Well, it made it worse than that. Like, IU beat Purdue at the beginning of the week. Like, it was not... Not a good sports week, so uh, I, I somehow bared through all the sadness, and I'm here today. And we're going to continue to have a conversation, and I think this week is the most important week of, of the series. I, I think what we're doing and what we've been talking about, this is going to be the most important week. Next two weeks are going to matter. Uh, the last two previous weeks have mattered, but this is how we measure success. This is how we tell where we're doing. This is the priority of Jesus' words. Uh, on the, uh, his final words in the Great Commission. So we're in this series called Go and Be, and go is the idea of go and reach the world. Don't just come here and sit, go and reach the world with the gospel, and be is be the church, living out our faith, living out the life that Christ has called us to. So that's what we've been doing in this series. We're working off one Bible verse that's called the Great Commission. It's Jesus' final words to the disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, and it says this, therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And it continues, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus gave these words to his disciples. And here's what we said we want to be committed to this year. In 2022, we want to be committed to making Jesus' final words our first work. That we're going to be committed, if we do nothing else, to making these words our first work of going and being and making disciples and reaching people and teaching them about what Jesus has done and teaching them about the things Jesus has taught. And so Jesus' final words are going to become our first work. And last week, we looked at this idea, before you can go and be, you have to be. Every single one of us have to answer this call. Am I following Jesus? Am I actually a disciple? And today, we're going to kind of look, okay, we answered the call, we followed what do we do next? What is the next thing we're supposed to do? And to find that answer, I want to go back to these verses where Jesus says this. It says, therefore, go and make what? Go and make disciples. So in, in, in how this sentence is constructed, the priority verb in the Greek is this make disciples. Make disciples. Jesus is saying the priority of what we are to do. See, everybody thinks it's just baptism. Everybody just thinks it's church attendance. What the priority is to make disciples. And how you make disciples, he says, you baptize them, you teach them, you go and reach them, but therefore go make disciples. Our main and most important thing we do, how we measure success, is how we're making disciples. He's saying, make this the priority. And and when you look at the words go and make and how this sentence is constructed, and and you look at the uh, words of go and be, there's two words insinuated. And those words that are insinuated are these words, connection and reach. 
you can't, re- you can't teach someone unless you made a connection with, with them and you reached them. You can't make disciples unless you connected and you've reached. You can't baptize someone. I've never baptized someone that I haven't first reached or connected with, right? You ha- it involves connection. This is where it gets interesting. You have been going to church maybe for your entire life. You have gone to church for some time. You have probably heard a sermon about someone saying, hey, we need to connect and reach. We need to, make, we need to baptize people. We need to make disciples. We've heard that. How do you ever heard that before? Right, we hear it all the time. But just because you know something needs to be done doesn't mean you go and do it, does it? Just because you know a need, just because you've heard a need, just because it's something you've heard, you've gone to church forever and you, you've heard the church talk about it, you heard Jesus talk about it, doesn't mean that you go and do it. I think I got a perfect example. Maybe your family's like mine, but um, I go to my grandma's every Christmas and we've gone to my grandma's as long as I can remember. Remember, and at the beginning of the day, you walk in the kitchen, the trash can is empty. There's nothing in it yet. Just, you know, they're cooking the food, it get, it's getting ready to get done, and then the food gets served. And some people go up, you, you know, get food, they got one plate or two plate. If you're real, you know, ambitious, maybe you're a three-plater, right? So you got three plates of food, maybe you got another food for, uh, plate for dessert. And what happens is we eat, and over the course of time, we go to that trash can, and it starts to get full. Now, what, what do you guys do now when it's full? You walk up to it, you see the need, it needs to be taken out, what do you do? You just push it down, you're like, I think I can get, we, someone else can do it, right? So you keep doing that, and every person does it over and over and over again. And by the end of the day, poor granny's got to take out the garbage that looks like the Cincinnati skyline, right? It's so stacked up high, there's, there's paper plates and there's cups, and everybody sees the need to take out the trash, but no one does it. When it comes to making disciples, when it comes to often what we're, we're doing at church, we're, we're typically quick to see needs and slow to meet needs. I'll tell you what we're not short on. We're not short on someone coming up to me and saying, hey, we need to fix this or do this or change this. But we're slow to have someone meet those needs. Because like, what I, my favorite response when someone walks up to me and says, hey, we need to do this. First of all, I want to know who is we because are you helping me? And what do we need to do? And what are you doing about it? Right? We're, we're quick to see issues. We're quick to see problems. We're quick to see needs. But there's something about us that it, we're slow to meet needs. When it comes to making disciples, I, I hear people tell me all the time, we need to do that, which I agree. But we're, we're, slow, we're slow to meet these needs. So what, what we've got to look at today is, am I meeting these needs? Or I, th- I think maybe the question to start as we're, we're looking at this today is for you to ask. And, 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 you know, so many times it's like, well, Nathan can do it or, or and it's part of my job or the staff can do it or the elders can do it or someone else can do it. I'm not going to do it. So I want to I start asking this. Who am I, who are you, individually, you're asking yourself this. Who am I, I being the key word, so we're only worried about ourselves, going and reaching and connecting with, making disciples? Who am I reaching? Who are you individually reaching, right? Week one, we talked about this circle of people. Like, who are you reaching in your life? Who are you connecting and reaching and making disciples with? Because discipleship or the success of making disciples, really, it's dependent on how willing you are to do it, how willing I am to do it, how willing each one of us are to see a need and meet the need. So kind of start rolling today. I want to take you to a letter that's called, called Romans. We call it the Book of Romans. It's much like a sermon, 
It's written by a man named Paul, and, and it's one of the deepest theological books in all the Bible. I, I, you know, there's Romans and there's Hebrews, deep theology in these books. And, and in, one, in the middle of this book, uh, Romans, uh, is a letter, Paul says something. And I just want to read to you what he writes in, in Romans chapter 10. He says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And he continues. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So Paul starts this little section off. He says, listen, here's a promise. It's an awesome promise. He says, the promise is that anybody who puts their faith in Jesus, that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anybody who calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who makes Jesus Lord of their life, the promise is they will be saved. He's like, that is the promise. And Paul is much like us. He had this moment in his life where, you know, Jesus, he had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus changed his life. So he is passionate about people being reached. And he's like, the promise is that everyone can be reached. And people need to know this. But then there's a line that sticks out. He says, how can they believe if they have never heard? And how can they hear if no one's ever preached? What he's saying is, how can people hear about the, this promise if no one ever preaches it to them? No one ever reaches them. Here's kind of what he's saying. I, I kind of put, I made a kind of a longer sentence. He said, it says this, people cannot look to Jesus for eternal life if they don't believe in him. Right? Very simple. Like, you can't, you, you, you can't, Jesus can't save you if you don't believe in him. But they can't believe in him unless they have heard about him. So at that point, I guess, you know, some people hear and don't believe, but you definitely can never believe if you never hear, right? And, and he says, so you can't, can't believe in him if you never heard about him. They can't hear about him unless someone reaches them and tells them. So let's go through this again. People cannot look to Jesus for eternal life if they don't believe in him. And they cannot believe in him unless they have heard about him. They can't hear about him unless someone reaches them and tells them. What's Paul saying? People can't believe. People can't be reached. You can't make disciples if you aren't going out and reaching or preaching. And it's, it's so easy for us to say, listen, hey, this is 2022. Everybody in the United States of America has heard about Jesus. And I will tell you, that is not the case. My stepdad, before I met him, never heard about this. Maybe heard of Jesus, but didn't know what it meant. When I was growing up, I, I never heard about this. So it, I, I lived in the Bible Belt, right? Never heard of this. People cannot look to Jesus for eternal life if they don't believe in him. They can't believe in him unless they have heard about him. They can't hear about him unless someone reaches them and tells them. So here's what Paul is saying. He goes, it's critical for everyone to know Jesus. And we agree on that. It is inc- our mission is to get everyone to know Jesus. We want everybody we come in contact with to know Jesus. It's critical for that. It's critical for everybody to know, and it's critical that those who know Jesus make Jesus known. Fancy way of saying discipleship, right? It's saying, like, disciples of Jesus need to go make other disciples of Jesus. But there's tension and there's reality. The reality is, here's the tension. Yes, there are more mega churches now than ever before. 
Baptist churches make up roughly 4 to 5% of the churches in America. 46% of churches or so are under 200. 40% or so are about the size we are, right? And, and so here's what's happening. We, we, we look and there's these mega churches that are on social media and they're everywhere. But the reality of the, of the state of Christianity in America is this. We are not making enough disciples. We're not making enough disciples. And, and so what happens is people come to church. They say, this is disciple making. What we're doing right now is critical. What we're doing right now is important. But this is not disciple making. Disciple making cannot be done in this large context like this. This is where we come to grow. This is where we come for community. This is where we, we, we come to stretch each other and hold each other accountable, worship God. What we're doing right now is important. But this is not discipleship. But what happens is we come to church and say, okay, disciple me, disciple me, disciple me. Jesus said, no, 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 listen. You go make disciples. That we have to make disciples. And, and so there, there's a couple of reasons and things we see Besides the reason that we just don't do it, here's what I see a lot happening, or here's what I read a lot about, or here's what I hear people talk about. And one of the one reasons that we struggle with is this, and maybe this is where you've been before, is I'm not ready to disciple anyone. I don't know enough. I, I don't come to church enough. I can't teach a Bible study. I can't lead a, a group. I'm not talented enough to disciple anyone. I, I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the wi wisdom. I don't have the information. I can't do it. So I hear that a lot. It, it, many of us have thought about this. It, it, many people say this. I, I'm not ready. Like maybe one day down the road, but I'm not ready. I'm not in a spot in my life where I, I can disciple someone. So you hear that a lot. And, and let me, uh, so I kind of want to explain this a little bit. Discipleship does happen in a Bible study. It does happen in a, a group. It does happen in a life group. It, it does happen in those ways. But in the context of what Jesus said, it's in the context of this. As you're doing life, you're making disciples. So discipleship can be, yes, it can be in this formal setting, but most of the discipleship is done as you do life. You're helping others apply biblical principles to their lives. So it can be, it's as you're doing life. It could be as simple as this, like, hey, you know, you're talking to someone who's struggling with their marriage. You're with a coworker and they're having doubts and you're listening to them and you're talking to them. You're parenting your kids and you're teaching them and you're showing them what it means to be a disciple by just the way you're living. You have some financial information, so you're like, hey, I'm going to disciple someone how to be good stewards with their money. It's as you're doing life, as you go, you're making disciples. As you go and do life, it, it, I think we complicate it sometimes. As you go and make this, as you do life, as you live your life, you're making disciples. I'll tell you this, the one area where I reach more people than any other pe people in my life is at the gym. And here's what I don't do. I don't go to the bench, say, okay, I got this bench reserved at 745. Come here and you're going to hear the gospel as I'm benching. I don't say that, right? What happens is I start building relationships. Start talking to people, right? I, I don't come in with a sign, hey, I'm a preacher. I don't come in with the Bible, hey, I'm a preacher. They know I'm a preacher. And what happens over time as I connect and reach, you know what they start to do? They start to tell me a little bit about their history. Well, I don't like church because of this or this and this. And we start to talk. It's as we're living life together, as we're, as we're just living life and connecting with each other, we're making disciples. As you go, you're making disciples. So I want to stop here. I'm going to ask for some participation, okay? It's going to be real awkward if you don't participate.
Okay, so I'm going to ask you a series of questions. After each question that applies to you, I just want you to simply, it could be for like three seconds, raise your hand and put it down, okay? So how many of you would say, I'm married, maybe you've been married for a long time, and you don't have the perfect marriage, but you're like, we've been through enough in our marriage, the ups and downs, we've been married for long enough, that we probably have some information that we can share with some newlywed couples. Anybody raise your hand? Some of you, right? Okay. How many of you are, are parents? And you're not perfect parents. And you've been through the ups and downs. And, and you're like, you know, I'm not perfect parent. But maybe I could help some new parents. Maybe my preacher and his wife, and they're new parents. Maybe I could teach them some things about, like, raising up a child in a Christian home. How many, how, how about that? Anybody here? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. How about this? How many of you, you know, you're, you're not perfect Christians? Because we're not. But you, you, you started at one spot, and now it's been a while, and, and now you're in a different spot, and you don't know everything, you may not know a lot, but you have some information you definitely can tell, tell someone about. Raise your hand, okay? Some of you aren't participating, right? Breaking the rules, right? How many, this is where every hand should be raised, how many of you say, you know what? I know some non-Christians in my life. I know some people who don't know Jesus. Now raise your hand. All right, okay, so do me a favor, if you're able, if you have raised your hand at any point today, I just want you to stand up, all right, come on, do that for me, stand up, you know, shake it off a little bit, right, you know, it's cold, you know, stretch out a little bit, just stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up, here's why I'm doing this, you're standing up, you, so this section, this section, this section, this section, this section, you guys are a little rough over here, but yeah, that section too, right? You are called by God to make disciples. I want you to embrace that for a second. You, with your skill set, with your talent, with your knowledge, your lack of knowledge, with with what you have and where you live, God has called you, all of you, to make disciples. And I think it's important for us to understand because some of us don't feel like we're ready. Some of us don't feel worthy. Some of us just don't want to do it. But God has called us to it, and that is a great gift, that God has called us to make disciples. You go ahead and sit down real quick. I should have just made you stand up the rest of the time if you didn't raise your hand, right? But we're not going to do that. But embrace that. Embrace this idea that you're called to make disciples, that God has uniquely placed you with your skill set and your talents to reach disciples. I think we don't get told that enough. We will help you as any way we can. But you, as you go with life, you are called by God to make disciples. And as you go live this life, as you're living out your everyday life, that's what's so cool. If you look at Jesus, as he lived life, he made disciples. We got to remember what Jesus said in the book of Acts, which is Luke's re- recording of Jesus' final words. And the book of Acts is the, the book of, of the early church history. He says this, he goes, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. He's like, remember as you go. I think he said all the ends of the earth because it's important. He goes, remember as you go. And remember, we talked about in the context of what he's saying here, that when they heard the ends of the earth, there would be the other people, the people they didn't like. And Jesus is saying, remember as you go and live life and do life, you are to be my witnesses. Make disciples. Everyone you reach, 
And it sounds like a really good idea until this, until we actually have to do it. And, and what we see in the church and what we see with people do and what our tendency is this, and we, I've talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I'll say it again. We only, te- we only go to the people who we think we should go to. And what happens is we think we should only go to a certain group of people, our circle, who look like us, act like us, vote like us, think like us, same race color as us for some people, right? We only go to people we think we should go to. He says, yes, go to them, but don't forget there's other people you need to go to. And what happens is we get so comfortable and, we, and the people who are like us, who we think we should go to, our family, those we love, we're comfortable with them. And this really isn't anything new. So in the book of Acts, it kind of starts off with Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter 1 is Jesus saying these words, and the disciples, they get the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and there's Pentecost. And then Acts chapter 2, it's, uh, they start preaching, and you see, I think, 3,000 people are baptized in Acts chapter 2. And then you know, John, Peter and John and some of the other disciples, early apostles, are preaching. Um, soon in the book of Acts, you see the persecution starts to rise up around Acts chapter 6, I believe it is, at some point around then, uh, you start to see persecution. A man named Stephen, who was a church leader, is stoned to death. At some point, you see the conversion uh, of Saul that we know as Paul, who wrote the book of Romans and much of the New Testament. And then you, you start to see something happen in Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 11. And you start to see this, that the Jewish religious people only wanted to go to people like them. And Acts chapter 11 is this turning point. Acts chapter 11 is a turning, turning point when you have Peter, one of Jesus' main disciples. He, he starts preaching to people, reaching people, eating, eating with people, not eating people, but eating with people that religious people didn't think he should hang out with. So Acts chapter 11 kind of starts off like this, and I'll explain it. He says, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. Okay, keep that in mind. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. And here's what they said. You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Weird kind of uh, insult, but here's what happens. Peter is going and he's preaching and eating with the Gentiles. Now you're like, bro, what's a Gentile? A Gentile essentially is someone who wasn't Jewish. So non-religion, so the others, the outcasts, someone no one like uh, Peter would have been. No one like uh, the Jews would have been. They were non-Jewish people. And the religious people come up and say, hey, why are you eating with them? Why are you spending time with them? It says that the, the circumcised, if you don't know what circumcision is, uh, it's a painful process. So let's just talk about that as they went through. But okay, go home and read the Bible, Google it yourself, I guess. Um, so they, they were circumcised. And they said, why, this is the insult, why are you hanging out with those uncircumcised heathens? How they know they were uncircumcised, I may not know, and I don't want to know, right? We don't go around talking about that today. But here's what's the context. Like, that's a weird, that's a weird insult, like, you uncircumcised heathen. But in the Old Testament, uh, God's people, the Jews, the Israelites, would be set apart, and on the eighth day of life, they would be circumcised. A boy would be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. So that would represent, they are God's people, and setting them apart. In the Old Testament, it was all about God's people being set apart. So God's people would have been circumcised in their minds. But Jesus has come, and he says, I've come to reach all people now. And Peter would have heard this, and he wouldn't have known this. And so 
he, these religious people don't like that Peter is going to the uncircumcised heathens, okay? Uh, the, the people who aren't like them, who don't look like them. And here's what the religious people thought. They thought they should keep the gospel to themselves and only make disciples who were like them. See, that's the root of the issue, right? You don't need to know about the circumcision, but we're just giving you a little bit of knowledge, right? They thought they should keep the gospel to themselves and only make disciples who were like them. And Peter comes along and says, listen, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to build longer tables, tear down fences. I want to, I want to use that imagery. I'm here to build longer tables, tear down fences. What, are, what, are, what do tables represent? Long tables. If I had a table up here, it's a long table. It represents community. At this time in culture, you would eat with, when you ate with someone, it means you identify with them. You like them. They're part of your group. You, you trust them. So he's like, I'm building longer tables. All right, I, I'm, I'm building tables where everybody, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, we're not checking when you come in the door, he says, right? But at this table is for everybody. What do fences do? Fences keep people out, right? You have you, know, you probably never thought about this way, but you have a fence at your house probably to keep people out, keep people off your property, to divide your property line. Fences keep people out. It's to separate. It's to divide. Tables invite. Fences divide, right? And, and so what Peter is saying, like, listen, I am bringing the gospel to all people. Now, where would Peter get this from? Well, he spent three-plus years with a man named Jesus, what did Jesus do? Well, he ate with everybody, especially those that no one liked. We talked about that last week. And he tore down a lot of religious fences, traditions that didn't need to stand. But then we got these Pharisees in Jesus' time and the religious people here. What they do, they listen, Peter, that, that's not what we do. We build fences. This gospel, it's not for everybody. God's love it's not for everybody. They built fences that kept people out of their groups. They built small tables. I, I, I got a little small table here. So essentially what they did is they had, they would invite you over for dinner, but you're going to eat at this table. Now, if I ever come to your house and you invite me to eat at a table like this, I'm out of there, right? Like, that's weird. But they would invite you to eat. They're like, hey, come on over. Come on over. You can eat with me. At this table. You can eat here with me. Oh, yeah, by the way, you got to look like us, act like us, think like us, keep all the commands like us, dress like us, think like us, they vote like us, look like me, be from Ohio County, not Switzerland County, Dearborn County. Got to cheer for this team. And then, after you, fit, after you meet all the qualifications of what we look like, Come on over for dinner. We'll have you any time. See, they built fences. They did everything they possibly could to keep as many people out of the gospel as they possibly could. That's what I felt. That's what we see. They built fences and small tables. Now, how ridiculous of this, is this imagery? Hey, come on. Hey, you can come to RSCC, but you got to look like us. You got to act like us. Got to vote like us. Don't have tattoos. Don't like this certain type of music. Don't watch these TV shows. That's ridiculous. 
And we know it's ridiculous. Like seriously, if I, if you, if I invited you over to eat at my house and we ate at a table like this, what would you think? You would think I was crazy, wouldn't you? And we look at the, the Pharisees, we look at the religious people in Acts, we're like, man, how could they do that? Why would they do that? They got the gospel, and they're doing that? They're keeping people out? But if we're honest, and if you evaluate, let's just evaluate the last two years. What we see Christians doing is we're building taller fences, shorter tables. The last two years, it has been wild. There's never been more division in, in my life, and maybe you remember a time before that, but in my life, there's never been more division. And we, I think we can agree on some things. The world's a mess. And, and we not, we're not to believe and live to the standard of the world. We don't, we're not going to bend to what they think about sexuality. We're not going to bend to what they think about sin. We're not going to bend to what they think about marriage. We're not going to bend to what they value life and abortion is okay. We're not going to bend to any of those things. We can't bend to those things. And the Bible says, do not be transformed by this world, but be renewed, you know, renew your mind. But what we forget is, yes, the world has things and they do things that we don't live, we can't agree with. But people aren't the enemy. They're the mission. They aren't the enemy. The sin and the evilness and the beliefs, that's the enemy. But people aren't. And what, I, what scares me, what I want to be real honest about is in the last two years when, I, when, I, when you would hope that Christians would be the loudest and, and bring the most hope and bring the gospel into a dark world, our fences and shorter tables. And what we've got to realize is if we don't have the heart of Acts 11, and go to the Gentiles. Go to the people who aren't like us, who act like us, who don't look like us or vote like us. It'll never happen. If we don't do it, if we don't decide to do it, it's not just going to happen. If we keep eating and, and inviting people to small tables and building fences, reaching people to gospel, is not going to happen. And I don't want to hear like, oh, this and this and this. Jesus didn't give excuses. Jesus tried to reach the very people who killed him. Jesus never saw the, the, the people as the enemy, saw them as the mission. Acts 11 continues, if we jump down to verse 15. Some weird transitions going on here. I do not know if I can read as that does that. So I am talented, but I am not that talented. So let me see what it says here in Acts 11, verses 15. It, it says this. As I began to speak, this is Peter speaking. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them. As he had come on us at the beginning, then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us to believe, us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, or when the religious people heard this, they had no further objections, and praised God, saying, so then even... To the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Here's what Peter is saying. Peter said, I, I had this realization. The Holy Spirit, I was with them. And I saw something happen. I saw the same Holy Spirit that came upon us come upon them. And I realized something in that moment. I realized that every man and woman was created in the image of God. 
every single person, even the Gentiles, that every single person had the opportunity, just like we did, to turn to God and repent, or not to turn to God and turn away from God. It's like every single person had the opportunity to turn to God or not turn to God. Everybody had an opportunity to sit at the table of grace that Jesus invited us to. That's what he's saying to the religious people. He's saying, so I've realized this, that everybody had the opportunity to turn to God. It says everybody had the opportunity to turn and lead into repentance. He's saying everybody, I learned that everybody had the opportunity to be saved and enter into salvation that Jesus offers. Like that's why I build long tables, short fences. That's why this you may be used to, but it doesn't work anymore. Peter's saying our mission, he's telling these religious people, is to preach that gospel and to reach people with the gospel. It's like it's for everybody. He's like, and I came to this conclusion. And I just want to say this, this footnote. This next point, I said that before Joe Burrow said it this week, so I did not copy off Joe Burrow. He said, I came to a conclusion. Why not them? The, the Holy Spirit conflicted me, he says, convicted me. I was with these people. We had nothing alike. But I started thinking, why not them? Why not the Gentiles? And you know who the Gentiles are. Why not the people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram that you can't stand? Why not them? Why not that family member that you think is too far gone? Why not them? Why not the people that hurt you that you can't stand? Why not them? Why not those who don't look the way you want them to look like? Why not them who have a different political affiliation than you? Why not them? He was like, I realized, why not invite them to the table? Why not invite them to the table? Why not invite them to the table? And tear down the fences of political party, of hate, of judgment. Why don't I just go reach them, even if I don't think they'll listen, even if I don't think that they're the type of person that will go to church, even if I don't think they're the type of person that will respond to the message? Why not them? Why don't I just go to them and let God do the rest of the work? Because it's not me that's going to change them anyway. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. It's going to be God. Why don't I just go to them? Why don't I just do what Jesus said and invite them to the table? Because God can do anything. He can restore anything. So I think Acts chapter 11 makes us ask a couple questions. First question is this. Who are we to build taller fences when God builds longer tables? Who are we? Who are we to say, who are we to say, God, I know you said this is for everybody, but it can't be for them. I don't like them. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want anything to do with them. Who are we to say that? And in Acts chapter, in verse 17, it says this. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way, Peter's saying? 
Who was I to stand in God's way? So the question is, how many times do we get in the way of what God's trying to do with, with our opinions, with our, 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 our political party status, with our mindset, with our hate? Who are we to do that? And how many times do we get in the way of what God is trying to do? The answer is way too much. Now, I imagine when Jesus told the disciples, hey, listen, you're going to go to some people. You're going to go to people who your entire life you have told not to go to. They're going to have some weird, crazy beliefs about God and their gods. They're going to believe some crazy sexual things. You're going to see some things in these, these groups of people that you've never seen before. Some of them are going to reject you. Some of them are going to kill you. I want you to go. And I just think about it, if we're really to go and be, if we really do what we see in Acts 11, or really do what Jesus said, how many hard people are we going to have to reach along the way? People we write off, people who've been in jail, people who've struggled with addiction, people who may not be from the same social class as us. Our job is to get out of the way. See, our job is to build longer tables with the gospel, tear down fences until Jesus returns. Get out of the way. Let God work. Do what Jesus said, let God work. Number two question I want to ask is this. Do you believe many will be reached for Christ? Do you believe what happened in Acts 11 and the book of Acts can still happen today? Because we read in the Bible, like, oh, that happened then. And it still happened today. So what happens is, is some people were, were still only going to reach those who they thought they should reach. But other people started reaching everybody. And here's what it says. Here's what it says. It says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And that's where we are in Acts 11, Antioch. And out of Antioch, church planters are going to be sent. So church planters are going to be sent out of this place full of Gentiles. That's pretty cool. And when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done. He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And great numbers of people were brought to the Lord. A great number of people brought to the Lord. Do we still believe, if we can go and be, that a great number of people be brought to the Lord? Because I do. I believe if we still live the way Jesus commanded us to live, and we reach and connect the way he's called us to connect, that 10 years from now, we look back at this moment, this year. We're committed to each other and committed to this community, committed to this town, committed to the people in our life and the circles and even the people we don't like. We will see a great number of people brought to the Lord. RSCC committed to go and be. They became a church, tore down whatever fences they had to, Built long tables. They're committed to making disciples. So I want to end today, and I want to give you some applicable, something you could do, so simple, how you can start making disciples today. And it starts going back to verse 
20, the Great Commission. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands. How do we start making disciples? Two words. Reach. Go and reach. Teach. Do this though. It includes intentionality. Jesus was very intentional when he walked in his ministry. He would intentionally many times seek people out, go to certain people, go to certain places, and do certain things with gospel intentionality. He was reaching people intentionally. And so if we're going to reach and teach, we have to be intentional about reaching people. So that's what the reach part is, intentionally going and reaching. And then teach. And there's two ways we teach. First way, and you can't skip this way, we teach with words. It says, teach them to obey all I've commanded you. Teach them to obey all my commands. We have to teach with words. So you got to take the information, the, the, uh, the little information or a lot of information you have, and you have to teach with your words. Where do we have to teach? We got to teach them what is the gospel, why we needed Jesus. We got to teach you about why Jesus was important. We got to teach you about sin. We got to teach you about baptism. Jesus was very clear. We need to baptize people. And he says, yes, you are saved by grace. But baptism is the act of obedience to me. All right, so he's like, you need to teach people why baptism is important. You need to teach them about the gospels. You need to teach them about why we live separate, why we believe this. He's like, you teach with your words. So we can't skip that, right? We need to teach with our words. Even if you have a little information, you start teaching people that little information that you do know. You may only know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you start teaching that. And then you continue to grow in your knowledge by going to church, by going to classes, by reading scripture on your own. But you teach with your words. And then the second way we teach is the way we live. The way we live. When I came to going to church for the first time, I knew nothing. But a mentor that I've talked about over and over again named Tyson. When I wanted to learn about Jesus, I watched how he lived. Watch how he loved his family. Watch how he loved his wife. Watch how he, he prayed. Watch how he acted with people. Watch how he coached. I watched him. And as I watched him by the way he lived, my faith grew. And as you're on your journey to becoming more and more like Christ, and you're intentionally reaching people, one of the greatest ways you can start discipling someone, especially if you're parents or grandparents, by the way you live. People, you disciple by the way you react at work, get bad news. You disciple by the way you act in your kids' games when the umps are bad and the refs are bad. You disciple by the way you love your wife, love your husband, love your kids. You disciple by the way you react when, when something negative happens in your life. You disciple by the way you live. And the idea is as we're teaching with words and teaching the way we live, we're discipling, intentionally reaching, connecting people. We're, gro- we're, we're growing mature disciples of Christ who then go teach with their words, teach with their life. I'll end with this as the worship team comes up. There's this movie called The Justice League. It's a really bad movie. If you've never watched it, don't waste your time. The Avengers of Marvel is much better. But The Justice League is with like Batman and Superman. And, and so the Justice League, they get these Batman is building this super team of superheroes, and he, they're going to fight a supervillain. And one of the superheroes that he gets is named Barry Allen. He's the Flash. And they're fight, there's this moment in the movie, and they're fighting. Uh, they're fighting the bad guy. And Barry Allen, the Flash, he's like, I- I'm scared. He's like, Batman, I'm scared of bugs. 
I'm scared of really tall, buff people. I'm not like you guys. All I can do is run fast. I don't have anything else. I can't, I'm not like Superman. I'm not like you. I'm not like Wonder Woman. I'm afraid. Batman says, Batman says, listen, here's what I want you to do. Just save one. Go to one person. Save one person. The Flash is like, well, then what do I do next? He goes, you'll know. Start with one. I want to end with that today. Go reach one. Then what? I believe God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he'll tell you what to say. He'll lead you where to go. But if each of us just committed, I'm scared, I'm afraid, I don't know if I can do this. I'm just going to reach one. You'll see the Lord will add many that day and in our lives and in this world. Many will come to the Lord as we're willing to go. Just reach one. Just like one reached you. Just like one saved us with Jesus. So I'm going to pray. We're going to continue to stand in worship. I'm going to pray today that you just think about the one you can reach. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that someone in our lives reached us. But before someone could reach us, you saved us through Jesus. And if there's anybody here today who wants to make that decision, step into the, to that gift, to step to the table of grace that Jesus offers. God, we would love to have a conversation but back about the double doors where we came in today. God, we are so grateful for you. We love you. We thank you. We're going to stand and we're going to worship you. Only God who deserves our praise and worship. Let's stand and pray today. Amen. It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.